We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Title Run Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today from the Battery Studios to talk about the Atlanta Braves making a return trip to the World Series. And boy, I could not be more excited. If you're new to the show, please make sure you subscribe on any major podcasting platform. You can follow the show on Twitter or Facebook. And you can also email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. So let's jump right into this. We are on the eve of the World Series. The Atlanta Braves just upset the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers and shocked the world by making it back to the World Series for the first time since 1999. So as we move forward to the show today, I want to give you four quick observations from the NLCS and then give you four things that you need to know as an educated Atlanta Braves fan to help prepare you for the World Series. Ready? Here we go. Number one, the Atlanta Braves were a better team than the Los Angeles Dodgers. And when you consider that the Dodgers won 106 games and the Braves won 88 games, that sounds like an Atlanta statement. But in the NLCS, there is no question that the Braves are the better team. Um, the Braves outplayed the Dodgers in pretty much every facet of the game. They were better runners in scoring position. They got better started pitching. Um, no Dodger starter in this series reached the fifth inning, which is unreal with the pitching depth that they have. The Braves got pretty much flawless defense from their infield, which has been one of the strengths of their team all year long. And the Braves manager, Brian Snickard, did not completely burn out his ace like Dave Roberts did to Max Scherzer, to the point that Max Scherzer couldn't finish his start earlier in the series and then wasn't able to go in game six. And in every way you look at it, the Braves truly dominated this series and they were a better team than the Dodgers at this point in the season. I know that's crazy, but I don't even see how you could argue that point. The Braves are 7-3 and three so far in this postseason, y'all. They could get swept in the World Series and still finish without a losing record in the postseries. In case you didn't know it, this version of the Atlanta Braves is really, really good. Number two, it's pretty much impossible to talk about the NLCS without talking about Eddie Rosario. I mean, good gracious a lot. So um, this stat's been floating around the internet now, that he famously has tied the MLB record for hits in a single playoff series with 14. So that's a record that he shares at four of the people, but the other four people that did it did it in a seven-game series where he did it in a six-game series. And listen to his splits. Eddie hit 560 with a 1.647 OPS. And over OPS over 1,000, over 1,600. I've never even seen one that high. And he drove in nine runs. And... By all accounts, this is the best two-month streak of his career, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. There's no explanation for it, but man, am I glad I'm getting to see it because he is giving you what you would hope and pray Ronald Acuna could give you in the playoffs. I mean, literally one of the best playoff series in the history of baseball. This guy who you picked up off the scrap heap at the trade deadline from the Cleveland Indians is giving you. That's just unbelievable. Number three. Brian Snicker, the much blind Brian Snicker, continues to push all the right buttons. Belair got COVID. Let's just put Eddie Rosario in the leadoff spot. That'll work, right? Yeah. Um, Let's pinch hit for Ian Anderson after just four innings in game six when he's dealing. How'd that work out? The pinch hitter gets a single, setting up 
Ed Rosario for a three-run bomb that ends up being the winning margin. Send Matzik out for a second inning in game six. Yeah, let's do that. And, oh, yeah, he's going to absolutely dominate and send it to Will Smith for the serious clinching save. It's just like everything Brian Snicker did worked. And you're talking about decisions he made, like the decision to pinch hit for Anderson in the fourth inning of game six. If that doesn't work out, if Adrianza hits a ground ball to the left side, we're killing Brian Snicker, especially if we end up losing that series. But it just seems like he is pushing all the right buttons. He has such a good pulse for this team, who to put in, who to pinch hit. And he managed circles around both Craig Council and Dave Roberts, in my opinion. And let's just hope that continues into the World Series. Number four, and pardon me while I rant, but the national media cannot get away from the injury narrative, and I'm doing this in air quotes, surrounding the Dodgers. So, audience, let me ask you a question. Did you know that the Dodgers were missing Max Muncy, Clayton Kershaw, and Trevor Bauer for the series? Did you know that? Did you know that they also lost Justin Turner and Joe Kelly during the series? Did you know? If you didn't, you must have your TV on mute because it got said about 10,000 times and has been said even more times since they lost. Clearly, that team was running on fumes. The Braves should have won, of course. And my issue with this just ridiculously lazy take is that with all the injuries that I just said, the Dodgers still had four All-Stars in Trey Turner, who, by the way, won a batting title this year, Mookie Betts, who was the MVP runner-up last year, and Chris Taylor and Walker Buehler. They all played. Those four All-Stars all played in this series. Oh, but the Dodgers were running on fumes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And did I mention that they had the ma- the major league leader in wins in Julio Urias? But, yeah, but they didn't have enough, right? Of course. Um. Did I also mention that on their bench they had a 26-year-old former MVP in Cody Bellinger who moved into a starting role after all-star third baseman Justin Turner got injured? And remember, Turner did play the first four games of the series. Let's just do a counter. How many former 26-year-old MVPs do the Braves have on their bench? Do you need some more time to count? <laughs> like, You lost two of your six all-stars, but you still have three former MVPs on your active roster. Dodgers. No one feels sorry for you. Stop the madness. The Braves had to overcome injuries too. The Braves lost Ronald Acuna Jr. to a torn ACL in July. Quite possibly the National League MVP if he doesn't get hurt. The guy who you expect to be your number one starter, Mike Soroka, coming back off an Achilles injury, didn't pitch this year. You lost Travis Darnot for three months out of the season. You lost Marcelo Zuna to a broken hand and then legal trouble. And Jorge Soler did not play in the first four games of the series due to COVID. So you know what? The Braves had some adversity to overcome too. No one cares. The Braves outplayed the Dodgers. They outpitched the Dodgers. They outhit the Dodgers and they outmanaged the Dodgers. And there's no excuses. When you have the most expensive roster in the history of baseball, you don't get a pass. So, rant over. All in all, that was just a great, great performance by the Braves in the NLCS. And I'm going to give you four nuggets about the World Series that will help you understand why the Braves have a really, really good chance of bringing this thing home. Number one, this ain't the 2017 Astros. 
the only holdovers from that great like 2015 to 2017 group of Astros teams are Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and Yuli Gurriel. And those four rival the Braves as the best infield in baseball this year. I mean, obviously, looking at their history, they are a better infield than the Braves have been. But this year, they are arguably the best infield in baseball alongside Atlanta. And, you know, look at their past. Altuve's won an MVP award. Him and Gurriel both won batting titles. And Bregman finished second MVP vote in 2019. So that is a really historically good infield. But what's missing from those really, really good Astros teams from the last time they won a championship in 2017, no Justin Verlander, no Dallas Keuchel, no Josh Reddick, no George Springer. And the man who recorded the final out of that World Series, Charlie Morton, will be leading the Brave staff. And I want you to pay attention to the fact that they have lost all that good starting pitching because that's going to come back up later on when we talk about one of the advantages that the Braves have. So, the first thing it's important to remember that this is not those Houston Astros teams. Second, you need to know that this Astros team can really score runs. Houston led Major League Baseball in runs scored during the regular season, and they haven't slowed down. They have 67 runs in 10 playoff games, by far leading the play, the postseason runs per game, and six of their seven wins came by at least five runs. So they have the third fewest runners left on base in the regular season. They led all baseball in batting average, on base percentage, and were second in OPS, and they struck out at the lowest rate in all major league baseball. This is a really, really good offensive team. Now, during the playoffs, they've been empowered by their own unlikely hero, um, 24-year-old DH Jordan Alvarez. And so, Alvarez isn't like a nobody. He won Rookie of the Year in 2019 and had a really good regular season. Hit 277 with 33 bombs and 104 RBIs. But he, like, went nuclear in the ALCS against the Red Sox to the tune of 12 for 23 with one home run, six RBIs, and a 1.408 OPS. So, Close to Eddie Rosario numbers. Now, what's interesting is that this was the highest batting average in the history of the ALCS at 5.22. So he's been the leader of what was already a really good offense, but he's just taken it to a completely different level in the playoffs. Now, the Astros have to score a ton of runs because of bullet point number three on this list. The Astros have enormous question marks in the rotation. So check this out. The Astros' starting pitchers pitched a combined six and two-thirds innings in the first four games of the ALCS. 57% of their innings in the postseason have been pitched from the bullpen. That's crazy. So their best chance of beating the Braves is going to hinge on the success of Framber Alvarez, and I'm probably butchering his name. And even he looks really shaky in the postseason before he had an eight-inning, three-hit gem in game five against the Red Sox. Actually, one hit them. So him and rookie Luis Garcia will probably start games one and two. And Garcia threw five and two-thirds innings of one-hit ball against the Red Sox in the clincher. But before that, he had given up ten runs in three and two-thirds innings of pitching before that. Now, one of the guys that was going to be key to their rotation in the postseason, which is Lance McCullough Jr., he's out to do forearm tightness. And that makes Jose Urquidy the likely Game 3 starter. So just to give you a little background on him, he would be on 10 days rest because they shelved him 
after his one postseason start, led him giving up six runs in one and two-thirds innings against the Red Sox. So beyond those two, they have another option in Jake Odorizzi, but he gave up four runs and in four innings in his only postseason appearance in relief of Luis Garcia, who gave up five runs in the first inning of that game. So you might be noticing a trend here. <laughs> so as their Hail Mary, the Astros could dust off 38-year-old Zach Grinke, who was basically used as an opener in Game 4 of the ALCS, but he hasn't had a full-fledged start in over a month, and his season ended with some just absolutely catastrophic starts where he gave up 14 runs in 12 and a third innings over his last three starts, and it's what got him bounced from the postseason rotation. So I know I just threw out a lot of numbers and stats, and here's what you need to know. The Astros rotation is not good. It is not. They rely on a really good bullpen and the best offense in baseball to carry their ball club. That's something to keep in mind because they will have to play very, very differently once they come to a National League ballpark. And that leads me to point number four. The DH gives the Braves a huge strategic advantage. The Astros have home field advantage, meaning that if this series goes to seven games, the Braves will play four of the seven games in an American League ballpark, meaning they can use the DH. So with Jorge Soler out of COVID protocol, the Braves can mix and match Soler or Rosario at the top of the order to go lefty-righty and drop whichever one is not hitting leadoff down to the five or six hole in the middle of the lineup. So... Not only is that an option, it gives you some lineup flexibility with Solaire in the lineup, but it also allows you to go longer with your superior starting pitching. There's no more pulling Ian Anderson out after four innings when his changeup is completely unhittable. I mean, it changes a lot of those decisions. And you can let Matt Sickerman go two innings because you don't have to worry about taking one of them out in a situation where you need to pinch hit to get a possible game-tying run or go-ahead run driven in. And then once the series returns to Atlanta, Houston has to make a decision on Alvarez. Baker has to keep his bat in the lineup. I mean, he's too hot for you to bench, but he's a super below average outfielder. He's got no range. He's a big, slow guy. And if you put him in the outfield, you're taking someone out. Who is the question? Is Michael Brantley, who is their number two hitter and has been really productive for them? Kyle Tucker leads their team in postseason RBIs and home runs. And even McCormick, who's one of their other rotation outfielders, is at 286 so far. So any move you make makes you worse on defense. I just think that the fact that they have to play Alvarez in the field in Atlanta is a huge strategic disadvantage. Another thing to consider is that the addition of the DH means the Braves could possibly carry one more right-handed relief pitcher in the bullpen because they're super lefty-heavy. So there's not really any reason to have both Arcia and Johan Camargo on your bench because you're not going to you're not going to be pinch hitting at all while you're in Houston. There's can't think of any single scenario where you're going to pinch hit. You already have five outfielders with Guillermo Heredia. So if I was the Braves, I would add Christian Pache to that roster as it's a late inning defensive replacement along with Heredia, and you can take Camargo off the roster and maybe add another right-hander lever. Now, who that is, I don't know. Is that Rich Rodriguez? Probably not. Is it Spencer Strider? Another hard-throwing right-hander? Possibly. But the Braves, who have been a juggernaut of an offense without the DH, 
now have the advantage of adding another hot stick to the lineup in Solaire with the DH, being able to mix and match in their lineup. It also allows them to leave in their starters longer and not have to worry about situations coming up where they would need to try to find a pinch hitter driving a run. So in summary, here's where I'm at. I don't really love to make predictions on this show, but if there was ever a year where I felt good about the Braves actually bringing home the World Series, this is it. I think this is a really good matchup, a team that doesn't have dominant starting pitching, that's going to try to outslug you. And boy, with this Braves lineup hitting the way they are, I just think that's a great matchup, especially getting to play with a DH in an American League ballpark. So I can't wait to see what happens. I'm excited and I'm optimistic, even as a fan that knows the history of Atlanta in the postseason, and particularly the Braves in the postseason. Well, Braves fans, this has been Dave Bethay for the Title Run Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.